Today on The Breakdown, Vivek Rajkumar. We don't talk about him enough. Christoph Vogelsang, we don't talk about him enough. John Carolus, we definitely don't talk about him enough. There are a lot, probably lots of other people I could name, but those three are all going to be involved in this hand from the more than million dollar buy-in Triton event from 2019. And Vivek, as the chip leader, as we get close to the bubble, and of course that is a seven-figure bubble, he's going to play a hand against these two players and mostly Christoph Vogelsang, the great, as he's known, the great German, the greatest German. It's because he's fast. He's, he's a good runner. He's like really quick. <laughs> Any hoots. Uh, yeah, and both these players are going to make some unconventional decisions in this massive spot. I mean, is any of this right? Is any of this wrong? We're going to need to take our magnifying glass and hardy boys the hell out of it. We're going to do it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. We're going to do a Nancy Drew on this one. I agree, actually. I, I don't know. I, it's completely... Ridiculous. You fucked up. Boys. It's because there's two of us and we're male and I just went to the obvious. Right, but you have to go by the process we're actually going to use and it's very much more in the Drew universe. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely said. Yeah, I, I, I agree. In fairness to everyone, while there's no question Nancy Drew is, is of the two is the right move over the Hardy Boys. This well, is really more... When you're dealing with Vogel saying specifically. Yeah, that's fair. But this is really Encyclopedia Brown if we're really doing what fits perfectly. I mean, right? we're, not, we're not trying to make, make a podcast that's going to be listened to by four people. Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown? Sure. The case of the, the cooled-off pie. You know, who stole the, 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 the clogs? Encyclopedia Brown's going to figure it out. Nancy Drew, like, solved murders, and Encyclopedia Brown solved, like... Petty crime, petty theft. <laughs> like Somebody's a homeless guy stole a piece of pie because he was starving. Encyclopedia Brown, you didn't crack the case, man. The dude was hungry. It's not surprising, you know. So basically, fuck Encyclopedia Brown. Fuck Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown. There's actually um, a pretty great movie called The Kid Detective with um, Adam Brody. You know who that is? The yeah. Uh, he's the main star in it. It's pretty great, and it's basically Encyclopedia Brown was Encyclopedia Brown, and then he grew up and stayed in the same town. And is still a detective, but doesn't get real work and gets like sort of bad, dumb work. And used to be thought, used to think he was the smartest guy in the world, and everyone kind of like laughs at him a little bit now. But he gets a case, which is you know kind of important, and it's it's kind of a great movie. Really, I have to say, yeah, with Adam Brody. Adam Brody does a really nice job, and it's a really interesting movie that takes interesting, surprising turns. But it's both sort of funny, sort of serious at times. It's like playing with tone. I really liked it. Huh. I was very surprised to like I've that I've never movie. even heard of it. came out, I think, in 2019, I'm going to say. Mm. You can probably find it on, you know, iTunes for a dollar or something like that. It's, it, it would be cheap to find. I recommend it if you like. If that sounds at all interesting to you guys, I recommend it. Wow. Stamp of approval. It's a little bit funny. It's a little quirky. It works for me. Okay. You know? And he says things like, you know, he's referring to cases he solved as, like, you know, a teenager. And he's like, oh, yeah, back when the... Uh, when we solved the case of, you know, the stolen pie, the stolen blueberries, you know, and it's like as if that's a case that everyone would know about and stuff. And, but he means it, you know. And yeah. People aren't even laughing at him, but he's like, so that, what we did then was this, and that's why we're going to, you know. So, we, so I'm pretty sure this is why this guy is dead, you know, and it's like, everyone's like, what? <laughs> hmm. So anyway, it's, uh, it's interesting. Okay. I'll, 
At least consider I'll it. think about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked it. I'll probably watch it again in my life. Okay. There will be a rewatch. Interesting. Many years down the road. Surprising and interesting. Yes. This tournament was surprising that it kind of happened out of nowhere. It's like... Yeah. I mean, the in-depth poker world knew it was coming up, but it's like, you know, the big one for One Drop, when it first happened for a million bucks, everybody was like, holy shit. We all sat around. Oh, I was at the World Series of Poker with a bunch of very successful poker friends, and we all, like, took the day off and watched the final table stream live, like, and just watched it and talked about it on, in our apartment, you know, or Airbnb yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. And then this That's is... What it was like. This is a quarter of a million dollars more of a buy-in. Yeah. And just kind of happened. Yep. That's what it felt like yeah. from... From I remember for you and me anyway, we didn't even know it was coming, and right. we, we were the poker guys then too. It wasn't yeah. that long ago. It was 2019. Yeah, we were we were in our heyday. Yeah, we were st- the bloom was still on the rose, Grant. The bloom's on the rose. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, but it, I didn't even know it was like happening, and then Bryn Kenny won all this money, and it was weird. Yeah, well that's what we're playing. Yeah, got two tables left. We're approaching the bubble, but not on it. Not really sure of the bubble situation. It's well, not... we, we know 11 people get paid. We know there's two tables left. We know there's eight players at this table. Right, so there's at least 15 players in the tournament. Well, since we're starting up th- this thing, too, it's likely there's 16, but it's probably 15 or 16, yeah. almost always. So it's going to take a while to get down to the bubble. Yeah, the bubble's pretty far away, I yeah. think, for all these guys. But it's still like close enough that you can taste that seven-figure score. You can start to think about it. Now, if you're tightening up right now, it's too soon, I think. Like, you shouldn't be playing... Any kind, you shouldn't be adjusting your game really at all, I think, at this point. Well, it's interesting you say that because Vivek Rajkumar is definitely adjusting his game as the big stack. Yes. Now, I don't know if it has anything to do with the bubble, but certainly as the big stack, he's letting himself go a little bit. We'll talk about that in a second after we talk about Mark Testart. Hello, Aussie. Yeah, hello, Australian Mark. Hello, lawyer Mark. Yeah, we're doing excellent accents, of course. Mark will back us up on that. I love kangaroos. uh, Mark suggested this hand on Discord because he... You know, he knows where the times are going. He gets it. And they're to Discord, away from Twitter, although you can still suggest hands on Twitter. We prefer you come to Discord because we do a lot more than just, you know, receive hand suggestions, which is basically all we do on Twitter, <laughs> right? We're, yeah. We're not active participants, really, on Twitter. No. But on Discord, there's a lot of participation from us and our community. There's threads for each hand that we make. There is Poker Talk. There's hand, your hands that you have played that you can get analyzed by us and other people. Mm-hmm. It's a fun place to be. You should check it out. There's a link in the description of this podcast. Uh, that's where Mark suggested because there is a suggest hands thread. So suggest hands there. Be part of the community. Nice. Join something for once in your life, Carl. Reach out to others rather than just reaching around yourself. Giving yourself a reach around. Okay, that's good to know. I didn't mean it like I'm that. Glad, no, I'm glad you said that. I didn't mean it the way it came out. Yes, you did. <laughs> you did that very much on purpose. <laughs> you know me too well. So you could go ahead and you'd be like, ah, yeah, sales, tough racket. Just going to scroll through Twitter. <laughs> Not really participate, just you know, yeah. lurk about. Or you could join Discord when it says steak knives, you know? Or, you know, first place. It's a Cadillac. Cadillac Eldorado. Yeah. Looks nice. Third place, you're fired. You're fired. Fourth yeah. place, you're fired. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't get third place. Yeah. Put that coffee down. No, we don't have to do the whole thing, although okay. it is wonderful and fun. And I mean, I would like to keep going. You could probably go back to like a 2016 breakdown where we've done that. And then <laughs> probably like a 2017 and a 2018 and yeah. a 2014. You know, probably... I mean, that's fair. Once a year is totally reasonable yeah. for that monologue. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, anyway, speaking of phenomenal, this field is very tough. Oh, man. Including two of the players in this hand. I think John DeCarolis is the only amateur at the table, at least is. according to the commentators. He is. It's, yeah. 
He very much is. Vivek Rajkumar is not really a big name pro the same way a lot of the guys are that we talk about, but he's had a lot of success in his life. Um, And he's a guy who, as you'll see by what he does to open this hand, is absolutely willing to see a spot and go for it, no matter what the money involved is, which is very powerful. Not everybody, not even pros, are capable of doing it. Agreed. Hey, just to give you guys a sense of how tough this table is, and it's going to matter also because Vivek's going to open under the gun with a marginal hand. A hand that you would never open under the gun if you were a good player unless you really had an exploit going on. Here's the table in order. So Vivek is under the gun. Next to him is Dan Smith. To Dan Smith's left is Igor Korganov. To his left is, is DeCarolis. Okay, there's a one amateur. Then it's Mikita Badzikowski. Then it's Nick Petrangelo on the button. Christoph Vogelsang is in the small blind. And the big blind is Justin Bonomo. So there you go. Yeah. Enjoy that. That's Enjoy a, that. That's a bit Eat of a that tough sandwich. That's a bit of a tough table. Man, that's that is the that is about as bad as it can ever get. You got the numbers on Vivek over there? The um, old, uh, I uh, I did, and I will again. Give me a moment. All right, uh, here they are. He, uh, how much money do you think Vivek has won live? I'm gonna go with nine million. Very, you're, you're just always good at this. You're like a weird savant with this stuff. He's got eight million in, in earnings. Where does that place him on the all-time money list, though, Grant? Hundred and thirteenth. No, one hundred and fortieth. Still very good. One of these days, you're just going to be stone wrong about someone. I'm going to be there for it. <laughs> okay. But it's not going to be today. <laughs> uh, yeah, Vivek, uh, he's, it's interesting. So these are obviously $8 million is a fabulous amount of money to have won yeah. playing poker. I would have thought it would be even higher. I guess he started as an online crusher and made his way. Uh, and, but I, just like, he was such a name for a little while, you know? I get the sense that he's like entered other business forays and is making a lot mm. of money doing that. Maybe I'm wrong about that. This, this event is actually the last live event he cashed in. So now granted, COVID happened eight months later, yeah. but still. And by the way, before this event, the last event he had cashed in was 2015. And then one before that was 2013. He doesn't play much live. That's, yeah. what, I'm, that's what I'm getting He might here. be mostly online or he might really just be like doing business stuff at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So that, that's what's going on. He just doesn't play a lot. So this, for him to be 140th and 8 million anyway is very impressive, I think, is, is the takeaway here. All right, let's do Vogelsang. Sure. Because he's going to be the antagonist to Vivek in this hand. Yeah, so how much money do you think Christoph Vogelsang has won? I feel like I'm going to be way off on this one. His career. We'll start with the number, and then we'll get to all-time money. You can actually do either one you want first. Okay. Hit, hit me both. I feel, me both. I, I don't, I, I feel a little bit rudderless here. Good. 18 and a half million. Okay, it's, that's not that close okay. for you. For a lot of people, that would be pretty good. It's 25. Okay. Um, where does that place him on the all-time money list? 25? 25. Yeah. All-time money list is going to be around 23rd. 19th. Okay. So that's, that, that was pretty good. That's a little easier to yeah. do than the first one. Still, yeah, pretty darn good for a guy who's basically a robot. Yeah. I mean, you're playing with Bender, right? I mean... Bender has a lot more personality than Christoph <laughs> Vogel. You don't know that! Yeah, no, it's very clear. Uh... Bender's funny. Uh, so you don't even like Futurama. No, I do not. I love Futurama. I know you do, and it's it's it's, it's great that you're willing to tell oh, everyone. Oh, here's another spot where we can have a really unpopular Jonathan Levy take. Okay, you want to? I'll take Rick and Morty. You take Futurama. No, it's, no, no. It's it's just pro or or not or anti Futurama. Oh, you're anti Futurama. Yeah, That's I'm only anti Futurama. I've only watched a few episodes, and I did not find them amusing or funny. You've told me, actually, that the sci-fi concepts are quite good and it's pretty interesting, and I, I tend to believe you when you say things yeah. like that. So I imagine if I were to really get into it, I probably would be more interested than I have been. So it's not going to be a hot take the way, you know, bagels versus fucking corn chips is whenever we do that. Bagels kind of versus corn you know, chips. Yeah. 
I'm I'm bagels all the way. Look, I'm telling you, corn chips make a better breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want it like corn chips with a nice a nice smear of cream cheese on them? You know, right? Sour cream and chive cream cheese. Actually, it's really corn chips are really good with a well dehydrated anchovy just mm. right on there. A corn chip with a, a dehydrated anchovy. And you know, you call them nachos, but I call them bagal not bagal nachos, which is what we say bagal nachos, <laughs> bagel nachos, and they're better because it's bread. And it's wonderful. Egg, egg bagel nachos? Egg bagel nachos? Egg bagel nachos? Bagel nachos, yeah. Well, egg bagel, not egg bagel nachos. Like, egg bagel nachos. I don't think it would hold up well enough to all of the wetness that is put on top of nachos. That is a classic. It would soak it up. It would soak it up and get all, get all spongy, and you don't like that. A classic goy theory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, Bagels are made specifically to handle the wetness, man. There's a density there. It's like a tungsten cube. So you're telling me yeah. that if we took like a, a salsa, yeah. relatively wet salsa, oh, yeah. put on a bagel, mm-hmm. the bagel would hold up as well as a corn chip. I'm telling you, not, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you the bagel would hold up better than a corn chip. Bring it on. Bring it on. We need Neil deGrasse Tyson on here <laughs> to tell you that you're wrong. Neil deGrasse Tyson is going to talk about simulation theory. If he gets on simulation here. theory and about you know bagels versus well, corn chips as far be... as as far as their hardiness when faced with liquidy dips, liquidy dips, yeah, yeah, liquidy dips, like a salsa, liquid dips. You could just say liquid dips, but but it's also not liquid; it's liquidy. Oh fuck! You're right again. Yeah. Hey, do you think we swear a little too much for the people who play this in their car and their kids are in the car? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I right? think we do. I think we do too. There's an explicit tag on it. Deal with it. Yeah. Okay, that's true. We did a podcast recently where I lost my mind a little bit about Phil Hellmuth's uh, behavior, mm-hmm. and you know, I eventually reined it in. But I definitely swear. At first, I'm quoting him, and he swears a lot, and then I swear a lot. Yeah. And I was like, I know at least one guy who like plays this, and his kid hears it and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, it's not great. It's like an 11 year old. I guess he'll turn it off when he hears that. But it's not great. But also, I as a father, yeah. Um, and of course, my, my kid's not really old enough for language and stuff yet, but... <laughs> She's less than a year old, but yes. My general opinion on language is, as, is what you would expect, that these bad words are bad for no real of reason. Of course they like, are. So who it's cares? A, the only, well, the thing is, you don't want your kid to start saying that in school, because then it's we don't want We don't want the kid to get in trouble for it. Right. But I don't care that the kid hears the word shit. Like, who cares? Right. No, you just don't want them to start... Because they're social, they're social rules, not even just in school in general. Yeah. Right, where if you have... By the way, I saw a really funny video where this... It's like... This teacher, it's the first day of school, and this teacher walks into the room, and it's like eight-year-olds, and the parents are there. She's like, hello, parents, welcome to school. Hello, kids, welcome to school. And this, like, this little eight-year-old says, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> that does sound pretty good. You know, but you can see how, as a parent, that would be horrifying, right? Yeah, but it sounds nice. But, I mean, maybe, maybe you'd be proud of your kid. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, that teacher should shut the hell up. <laughs> what does she know? <laughs> Teaching evolution. Yeah, she, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another Jonathan Levy take <laughs> right there. That's a classic take. Yeah. Evolution is fake. All right. Anyway. We'll get into that in another episode. Yeah, we will. Well, so let's talk about the okay, okay. So we're talking about how Vivek is, you know, leveraging his position as, as a massive chip stack here in this very high buy-in tournament. Even against these elite players, you named the players at his table. He still thinks it's worth going out of bounds of GTO opening ranges because he can put pressure on them, mm-hmm. which I think is cool and interesting. And I'm... Actually curious if he's right. Like, I'm not sure he's right against the Justin Bonomos and Igor Kurganovs of the world. Yeah, I don't know either. I would think that probably... My, my initial hit would be he isn't. That, that this is a little too 
far, but maybe he's also sensed as the chip leader because you you know how it is when you're the chip leader in these yeah. like an event. And obviously, we've never played in a, a million dollar buy-in event. One point two five million dollars, uh, or even more. Yeah, but even even a million dollar one, we haven't played it. But like when you're a massive chip leader, or just a big chip leader, and um, and the rest of the table is a little intimidated by the money, or it's a big, they feel it's a big spot. You've been in this spot, yeah. Where the chips just find their way to you, and it almost doesn't matter what you do. Like, yeah. you, if you play small pots, you just kind of win a lot. Of, like they just, they're not fighting with you very much. Right. And so maybe because this is the biggest buy-in of all time, he, he's sensing and seeing that these players are a little bit cowed by that. Maybe if there's a spot where Justin Bonamo is cowed by the money, this is the this spot. This has to be the one, yeah. right? Yeah. So maybe he's also just like testing it. Seeing like what he can get away with, right? And of course, I'm referring to him opening under the gun, eight handed with six eight of clubs. Yeah, which you would typically not do at a table full of crushers. I mean, you might not do it at almost any table anyway. Right. Like nine eight of clubs is one thing; six yeah. eight of clubs is really different. It is like what are, we're opening so many hands if we're opening six eight of clubs. Wonka is not opening that under the gun on poker time. No, he's not. I'll tell you that he's not opening on the button even on poker time. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, but I feel you. Yeah. Anyway, he opens to 90K at the 40K big blind level. He's got, got 5 million in his stack. So over 100 bigs. 125 bigs. Massive chip leader. Uh, John DeCarolis, who is the only amateur at the table, actually has a reasonable stack, too. He's got 3.7 million. Yeah. And he's kind of showing off his amateurness because I don't think anybody else would have called with three, four of hearts in the hijack, but he sure did. Yeah. Daniel Grimes doing the commentary. He says the same thing. Actually, yeah. He's like, I think this is the only player at the table who would have called. Yeah. Okay. That makes plenty of sense to me. Yeah, three, four suited. Boy, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble, and it is not that easy to win a huge pot with right. three, four suited. Yeah, like a flush is good, but it's you're not going to win a ton of money off of a weaker hand if you have the four high flush. Often not, and uh, but you can lose a huge yeah. amount of money when they have a better flush. Yeah, yeah. So, and you're not even on the button. Nope. And you're not even you don't already have money in the pot, and everyone's better than you. You're not even on the cutoff. You're in the hijack. Right. So playing this like for the value of the hand, which is it feels like what he's doing because he's not three betting it mm-hmm. even, just feels like, th- well, this is why he's an amateur. Yeah. That's all. Like th- this is the amateur stripe showing a bit, it seems. And apparently a very, very rich amateur because he bought yeah. him for one and a quarter million. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys. Yeah. You know, he's one of the, I don't know if he's actually a billionaire, but he's playing on that, on that field. Right. On that plane. Airplane, that is. No, P-L-A-I-N. One of many. One of many. Airplanes that he owns. Yeah, perhaps. Anyway, he calls with a 3-4 of hearts. We wouldn't do it. No. He's an amateur. He's, it's fine. He's splashing around. I Who mean, cares? it's not like it's 3-4 off, right? right? It's not like Bill Perkins might have called with 7-8 off here in the old days. In the least. old days, before yeah. he learned stuff. Yeah. This is at least, like, not crazy. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go to the robot himself. Let's do it. Christoph Vogel saying it folds around to him in the small blind. Yeah. He's got 1.8 million, so 45 bigs. Reasonable stack, but not nearly Vivek stack. Mm-hmm. Ace of Hearts, Queen of Spades. Yeah. What is, is your process? This is an incredibly tough spot. Yes, it is. You got the two chip leaders already in, so we don't feel like we've got huge fold equity here unless we really size it up. Right? I mean, we, we probably do have fold equity if we've noticed anything about these two guys. If we've noticed that yes. Vivek is opening with Reckless Abandon and, and that John DeCarolis is calling everything, which maybe he is calling anything reasonable in all positions. You know? But then he also has to now fold, not call everything this time, because otherwise it's going to be hard to play this hand. Yeah, I mean... True. That but, would happen a lot, though. That but does that would go be that probably way. okay, right? If we yes. if we made it ten blinds and he called, we would ha- and we had a massive advantage over his range with this hand. That That's would probably so be bad. okay. No, I think, I, the, I think the robot would approve. I, I think he would too. I think he'd be fine with that. Also, stack to pot would make his decisions relatively straightforward. Yeah, which isn't so bad either, right? You have like thirty blinds left or so, and there'd be twenty two blinds in the pot or twenty five yeah. blinds in the pot. It's like it's gonna have some relatively straightforward stuff to do. Um, 
Okay, so our options, we have three options always, right? We can Fold is never one of them here, obviously. Of so we have two options, really. Um, Ace-Queen off as a call. What do we think? That's my preference. It's not great, though. I know it's not great, but under the gun opened. And yeah. unless we've really been seeing that he's doing this, and I'm not sure whether or not we have, this might be the first hand of the table, right? Like, it might be, yeah, because yeah. it's the first hand of this episode. So right. maybe like day four, all yeah. start. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's very possible. So assuming it's the first hand of the table, I don't think we can three bet when under the gun opens. Um, okay, let's let's go a little deeper, though. Let's Let's say we know... That Vivek's been a big stack for a while, which he has. Yeah. And let's say he's been opening a lot. And we know that either because we were at the other table with him or this is a continuation of the day already. Or he, of course, he has friends at every table Vivek's yeah. at. There's only three tables left anyway. And he hears, oh, Vivek's trying to run over the table and he's doing it. Okay. So he, so he has that knowledge that Vivek is pretty wide here. Yeah, okay. Um, does that change your decision? And if so, why? Not a lot. Mm-hmm. I think the rewards of calling outweigh the rewards of, of three betting because the rewards of three betting are I win the pot now. Yes. We are not calling off 45 bigs if we get shoved on. I can't imagine doing that against probably either player. Yeah. Even though we're almost always at least in a flip against DeCarolis. We're almost always in a flip against DeCarolis right. if he decides to shove after we were to raise. Maybe we do against DeCarolis. I mean, we have to really not care about the money, which may, maybe is Vogel saying we don't. But that, we're much less concerned about getting shoved on by him than by Vivek. Of course. Vivek is the threat. Yeah. So we're folding to that, right? We have so to. The, the only rewards are the four blinds that Vivek and DeCarolis have put out there and the rest of the pot, you know, so it's like six, six and a half blinds. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad. It's not bad, but it's not a massive reward. No. Um, the risks are, of course, like 10 blinds or whatever we're going to put in, nine blinds. Mm-hmm. So it's probably something in the nine blind range, right? When there's an open under the gun and a call. Yeah, I think at this stage of the tournament with our stack, nine blinds is fine. Yeah. Nine and a half, whatever. That's a significant hit. Yep. And is uh, a much bigger deal than nine versus six as far as like the reward versus risk thing because mm-hmm. we're going down instead of up percentage wise. It makes a bigger, bigger difference. And it also, it com- kind of mutes our ability to, to mess around at all. Uh, this is all true. By calling, we often, a huge percentage of the time, Justin Bonham was going to call in the big blind. Yeah. We're going to be four ways out of position to everyone. And even when we flop a pair, I'm not saying we're going to fold at any point, but it's going to be difficult to get value and it's going to be difficult to play well. Sure, but so I'm just saying those are the downsides, right? Those they are, but you're Christoph Vogel saying you trust yourself post flop. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And at least you have the guy who's the if there's a fish at the table, it's DeCarolis, right? Yeah, compared to everyone else, I'm sure he would agree with this too. It's not a put down on him. So he's in the hand, which maybe also makes you feel a little better about calling here and preserving staff deck, or maybe we can win a big pot against him sometimes. Yeah, like he could have a seven suited and flat here, we think. And actually, I bet he can because he has three four suited, right? right? So, like, oh, if an ace flops, we might win a a reasonably big pot off of him and get two streets at least. Yeah. Um, that's not so bad. Maybe even three streets. Who knows? Ultimately, I wouldn't be shocked to see Vogel saying make either decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. My preference is for a call. I typically, in tournament settings, always like to mitigate variance whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a little different because when I'm applying it to myself, I'm usually in fields where I feel like I have a big edge on the field. Yes. Vogel that's saying true. might feel like he has an edge on the field. Even if he doesn't and he thinks he has an edge on the field, he doesn't think it's a massive edge. He thinks it's a small edge, right? I, let's assume, because he's Vogel saying and he's the robot, he, he believes that he is probably equal to the field. Yeah. Like, that, like, these are incredibly good players on average, even at his table, forgetting about DeCarolis for a second anyway. Like, he doesn't have an edge. They don't have an edge on him. Like, yeah. it's just break even. And right. so, assuming all that. Now, DeCarolis is, is here, so that helps a little bit. Yeah. And he's in the hand. Um, 
Does that change anything for you? Unless we really, really know that Vivek is opening a ton, then no. Okay. Like, we'd have to have that knowledge for me to feel more comfortable. Like, I need, I need a decent amount of fold equity to, to feel good about the three-bet because getting called is better than getting four-bet, but it is not great. I mean, this is part of the thing. Every time we don't just take down the pot, it's going to be not super easy. I mean, we could, of course, flop well. Yeah. But, like, we're going to miss a lot. A lot. And uh, it's going to suck, and we're probably going gonna to have to continue if we're heads up most right. of the time. Yeah. And we can really hurt our stack because going from like 40 blinds to 25 blinds is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it really changes things. Um, of course, you know, winning tur- the way you win tournaments generally is, you know, through aggression um, and like taking down a lot of pots without flops and without, you know, showdown and stuff like that. Yeah, but that's the only but way. But three betting the under the gun range is not usually yes. the type of aggression that's going to be working out in your favor. Agreed. But again, like if we have a sense that Vivek is opening a lot, which yeah. we probably do. Yeah. We likely do. Um, and we also think that Carolus is calling pretty wide, which we also likely have a sense of that. You know, wider at least than anyone else would call at the table, right? Well, I here's, think we would know that. Here's another piece that is in favor of calling. Yeah. If Vivek is doing all of these things and, and opening all these hands, on the boards that really hit ace-queen, Vivek is going to rep it. Oh, for sure. Vivek's going to rep it. We, there's, a, there's some really nice outcomes where we call the flop is ace-high, especially, Vivek bets the careless calls with his medium ace. We get to call too. Yeah, he goes check check and maybe the careless bets the turn. We get to call Vivek folds and we're just way way ahead. The careless has three outs and we we've won already. A really there's a big pot already that's developing from our point of view. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. Uh, Those types of things can happen. Yes, that is true. Uh, and you know I'm here. I make it sound like probably because I keep challenging on some of this stuff and asking a bunch of questions that I'm pro three bet. I don't know that I am. I think in real life, I would just chicken out and call because it's easier. It's a lot easier. Um, and you, know, you know, that's you can't that, make a big mistake. That, it's not necessarily chickening out. Like, yeah, I think there's a lot of merit to this, this strategy, especially in tournaments to like do what's easy. Yeah, that, that's fair. Absolutely. Is likely profitable for you. Mm-hmm. If, if it feels easier, there's a reason for that. Yeah. And the nice thing, too, is like when I call. Uh, when I call, when, when Vogelsang calls, uh, Vivek, if I was Vivek, I would put him on a particular range of hands. Ace-Queen wouldn't be a huge part of that range compared to, like, pocket sevens. Jack-10 suited. Yeah, yeah. so that's kind of cool, too. It's not, like, Ace-Queen should be part of it a little bit, but you know Ace-Queen's going to be a three-bet some of the time. We're talking about, should we three-bet right. it? Um, of course, the answer's got to be a mixture. Yeah. Um, but I think you're probably right, especially in this spot, I mean, I don't know if actually this is correct. Like, if we were to do, like, great GTO breakdowns, even of the preflop stuff, which, of course, you could do with, like, Poker Snowy or something, um, that, like, ace-queen should just be a call here. But it feels like, practically, I would, I would really default towards calling. I mean, we're in a million-dollar tournament here. Come on. Yeah. Like, let me see a flop. <laughs> I don't want to lose seven bites. I, I don't think that's why Vogel's saying... No, I don't, I don't think so either. Ultimately calling, he makes that decision. Speaking of GTO, by the way, we will have solver work at the end. Hey. That's going to be done by Danny Sprung. Um, we haven't seen that solver work yet. Of course We'll not. take a look at it between the end of our analysis, and then we'll uh, look at it and come back and talk about what the solver said, and then Danny will post his work on the Discord. You know what I like? I like that whenever we do the solver work at the end... So far, anyway, no one's ever accused us of, you definitely checked out the solver first. Because often, the solver is clearly disagreeing with the yeah. things we're saying. You know? Not that we think the solver is necessarily always right, because the solver is just how to play against... How to be unexploitable. Yeah, how to play against another solver. Yeah. Um, but, but it's often, I think, taken that way by the, the community. You know, like, uh, 
when we've been challenged by Solve for Why, for example, yeah. like they, like Matt Berkey said, you know, where are the receipts? And his, to him, the receipts are the solver work, mm-hmm. for example. And that's like a common refrain. We don't necessarily buy all that. You know, we think like situations are, these things are situational and organic and humans are, are not computers and they're not going to play perfectly. Right. So, but anyway, I, yeah. So all that to say, we don't know what the solver says. Yet. No, we, we don't. Neither does Justin, Justin Bonomo. It's interesting. He folds before he even finds out. He just folds out of the big blind. What does he fold? I don't know. Well, he doesn't know either. He didn't look at the solver, so he doesn't know. He doesn't even know what he's supposed to call, so how can he know what he folded? Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. He's gone. He's God? Gone. I mean, he's second. He's not even first to all-time money list. I, don't, I think you're overdoing it. My Lord and Savior, Justin Bonham? No, my Lord and Savior, Nitrogen Sports Poker. Oh, I really set you up that time, didn't I? Oh, yeah. You really set me up. I had to mine <laughs> water out of a rock. Mine water out of a rock? Yeah. Is that what you do? I, do you, you think you can actually it? squeeze water out of a rock? <laughs> you have to do more complex things to it. You mind it. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Great. Do you know how? Do I know how? I'd love to know how. All right, so I got this colony of ants. Oh, I trained them up real good. And luckily, unlike the rest of all of, all of animalia in the kingdoms of Whoa. the world. Wow. Um, yes. Ants actually do function via Lamarckian evolution rather than Darwinian. So okay. it's not survival of the fittest. It really is. If an ant stretches its arms really, really far, that, then its babies will have longer arms. Oh. Yeah. So that's good for me because I needed to teach them how to mine water out of a rock. And ants don't last that long. No. So that knowledge had to be passed down through generations without actual you know, language and stuff. So I just, luckily, please. through evolution... Lamarckian evolution specifically, that applies only to ants, I was able to do so. And they, they, they create a little tiny <laughs> ant mining rig. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I set them up on a rock, and I was like, go to town. I just got to find the water. One quick question. <laughs> sure, sure. No, so, I don't see how you would have any questions, but go <laughs> ahead. Just really quick. <laughs> okay. So you have the ants create a mining rig rather than have a mining rig created for the ants. Wouldn't it be much faster to just, like... Get one made for you them? You would think. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. But that's coming at it from a non-organic perspective. You're, mm. you're, you're looking at it from a purely logical, analytical perspective. Yeah. Whereas if you really think about how ants act, you're going to anthropomorphize that shit way too much, and you're going to make a bad ant mining rig. You have mm. to let the ants make the rig themselves. Interesting. And I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Like, I think the starting point is X, and then I'm like, well, obviously it's not X, so it's Y, but Y is also coming from my human perspective. Yeah, you're... Of course I can't get into the mind of the ant with its Lamarckian evolution. <laughs> it's a bit of a speciesist uh, commentary, and yet... It's not species true as well. It's not possibly true. It's not at all. It's, it's just accurate. I can't get into the mind of an ant? Wow. But still, but maybe true. But wow. So they create these mining History rigs. History will not be kind to you, sir. But please continue. So they create these mining <laughs> rigs. And I don't exactly know their process because, you know, they don't speak. Right. And I just come one morning and check on my ants. And there's like, oh, you create a little, little mining rig. That's nice. And I just see a little, little flow of water coming out. Huh. A little flow. It's a flow of water. It's not just like a a drop of water. There's actually like a river runs through it sort of. Yeah, like a river, but like an Where is it coming from? From the rock. (laughs) (laughs) The water source in the rock that all rocks have. And it just continues to replenish itself. It is is, uh, infinite, yeah. It's not just like a few drops. Nope. Ants ants are good at that. Okay. Okay. I want to just take a step back for a moment. Okay. Add a little perspective here. Animalia. Yeah. Holy moly. That's a word? 
I think so. Thank you also for defining Lamarckian evolution. I certainly never heard of that before. Let's, I, maybe I should define that a little further. You did a pretty good job, but go ahead. Darwin and Lamarck were contemporaries. Hmm. Uh, They're both scientists. Darwin, of course, has the theory of evolution that won out uh, in scientific communities, and survival of the fittest is believed to be the way that evolution occurs yeah. in nature. Lamarck, which sounds very stupid now, but was like, he was a big-time scientist, believed, as an example, his the best Lamarck example is, the giraffes have long necks because over the generations, oh. giraffes wanted to eat higher and higher trees, so they stretched their necks as wow. far as they could to try to eat the trees, and their kids then had longer necks. I mean, when you're when you're living it, and you, yeah. before anyone's figured anything out, that sounds plausible, right? Right. Before, like, we're we're further down along the path. Yeah. So, but now it sounds like something like an eight year old would say. Yeah. It's crazy how that happens. Poor Lamarck. Yeah. And he's he's left to the dustbins of history because I never heard of the fucking guy or this thought process. I only heard of him in school as a reference to, "Hey, look at this idiot who is also <laughs> alive at the same time as Darwin." Yeah. Hey, you know who's also saying, "Hey, look at this idiot," or in this case, "Look at these idiots." Ah. Nitrogen fucking sports who's paying us to do an ad and we. Barely done any of it. We've gone off on this other. It's thing. not like the episode's going to end at a predetermined. They're time. upset, and I'm getting I'm getting live in moment in real time. I'm getting texts. Oh, go them. ahead then. Do do that. Oh, I thought you wanted me to read the. You've text. brought you've brought this upon yourself. I thought you wanted me to read the text. Oh, I thought you were all about getting that getting to the ad now. I am absolutely not. I was just pointing out that someone else thinks we're idiots. I don't care about don't the care. ad. Why do I care about the ad? I don't care about the ad. You care about the ad more than I do. <laughs> you do the ad. <laughs> Instead of doing the ad, I'm just going to read the text that Nitrogen Man okay, is going to send me. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. And I'm just going to, like, not censor anything. All right, okay? that's fine. So everyone can sort of get a little peek behind the curtain here, okay? All right, go ahead. Hey, you fucking morons. <laughs> what is Grant doing? Tell him to shut up. Uh-huh. That's one. That's from Jim. He says that all that time. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just going to scroll. All right. All right. No, that one's. I can't read that one. Jesus. Okay, that's racist. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Obviously, it's not racist. That's a joke. Wow. I went too far. I went too far, Grant. You called the sponsor racist. Damn it. You can't do that. Ah, I blew the bit. I completely blew the bit. Let's talk real about nitrogen sports for a second. Because if if you want to know one thing about nitrogen (laughs) sports, it's that they offer incredible value to poker guys listeners. Jonathan's now in his hissy fish. Here's here's what I'm going to say. Thank God we buried me saying that as deep into the thing. (laughs) How are they ever going to hear that? They have to really have a guy whose job is to listen to the ad every time. Otherwise, they're never going to hear that. Thank God. I mean, they know it's a joke anyway, obviously. I mean, there's, you know, that's what people have said that before and, you know, never been seen again. But please continue. What's not a joke? (laughs) Is yeah. the monthly Poker Guys tournament yes. on Nitrogen. If you use the link in the description of this podcast, when you sign up for Nitrogen, you get access to that tournament, which isn't always overlay tournament. Yeah, I said it that way, because I like to say it that it's way. It's the automatic overlay. It always has an overlay. Huh. Oh, that's true, but it's the automatic overlay tournament, because it's automatically... At least 40% of the prize pool is put up by Nitrogen, because they cap the player pool such that that is the case. Yes. Um, so it's a damn fine deal for you. Of course, you can only access that tournament when you use the link in the description. Once you get there... You can also do sports betting, casino games. It's Bitcoin only, and when you want your money out, you click that withdraw button, you get it in 90 minutes or less. That's a damn fast money. Fucking crypto is beautiful, man. Yeah, and, and so is nitrogen for actually giving it to you in it's that amount of time. Not everybody does that, even with crypto. You know, actually, I got a, a text. This is true. The other text things were all false, obviously, for the joke, but this is a real thing. I got a text from... Uh, a good friend, both of ours, recently, who was asking about nitrogen and saying, like, hey, I used to do a lot of stuff on nitrogen. It was great. I have a bunch of friends I was about to recommend to go on there. Have you ever heard of anyone have any problems with, like, legit problems with withdrawals of any of your people ever? And I got to write back. This was this morning, actually. I wrote back, never. Not once have I heard of a legit withdrawal problem. I've heard people say, like, 
oh, there's a problem, and then nitrogen like fixes it, or the person's confused and then figures it out. Yeah. But like an actual thing where nitrogen isn't paying anyone, never happened, not once ever. They've been our sponsor for five years. Yeah. So I hope that makes up for the thing I said. <laughs> <laughs> but also, that's all true. It is, just of course. Said. Get on there, get you some poker. Yeah. All right, let's get to this poker. Okay. Vivek's under the gun. He's got eight six of clubs. Yes. Carolus has three four of hearts. He's not going to matter. No. Vogel saying is flat out of the small blind with ace of hearts, queen of spades. He's the effective stack. Started the hand with forty five bigs, three hundred and fifty k in the pot. The flop is ace of clubs, six of hearts, eight of spades. It's a dream for Vivek Rajkumar. It's crazy how good that flop is. Makes for him. bottom two. Vogel saying has a good top pair. Vogel saying checks. You would never bet. Especially if you knew Vivek was opening wide, right? I mean, he opened from under the gun anyway. Just what, what are we hoping to have happen here that's going to be good if you yeah. bet? Like, get called by Ace Jack, suited, get called by Ace 10, suited. That's about it. Yeah. Like, Maybe those check. will check three ways sometimes, but they're going to bet a lot of the time too. Yep. So. I mean, there's just no, like, what are we, we going to do? We're going to fold out kings here by betting? Like, there's, he's got Ace King. Like, it doesn't seem to make any sense to bet. Let's check and let him fire away as he's almost always going to. Yep. Vivek does fire away. Of course, he has course, bottom two. Of course. I'm curious what you think of his sizing. Oh. He goes half pot, 175 into 350. It's A68 rainbow. Should it be more? I feel like normally he wouldn't go even this high, right? I agree, but should it be more? Just just because you're talking situationally. Yeah, here. pure exploit. I wonder if these guys are too good for him to do that kind of stuff. Maybe. I think he's like, everyone's paying attention to all my sizing stuff. Like, I mean, look, I haven't played live poker in a while now. But years ago, I was paying attention to everyone's sizing stuff. And yeah. Like, so I got to believe Justin Bonomo is all over Vivek's flop sizing on, on flops like this when he opens under the gun three ways and has a pretty good sense of what Vivek's betting. If he bets more, like his eyebrows are going to prick right up. He's gonna be like, what's going on? Yeah. And yeah. that means Vogel saying might too, and it's going to ruin his future stuff. I think he just can't do it. I think he's got to be more like uniform here. I agree. I agree. It's a good question, though, to ask. But if either player is an ace, I just like to maximize yes. value. Well, we can, we can always, you know, we can size up the turn yeah. as, as players generally do. And even betting half pot is, a, is like not tiny in this no, spot, right? But three-handed is, is more reasonable than if it were heads up. Sure. Yeah, sure. Either way, it's not a bad sizing. I was just curious if we should exploit in bigger. I think in non-elite fields, we should size up to like 65, 70% of the yeah. pot here because they're just going to have to call us once, right? Yeah. And then... And then the rest of the things are, you know, exponentially bigger. Yeah, exactly. Um, Think about the, the size of river bet we're going to be able yeah. to make. Woo-wee. DeCarolos folds his three, four hearts. We're done with him. Great. Anything to do but call as Vogel saying. Nope. Of course not. We're always calling. We're ahead a lot. A lot. All right. What does Vivek put Vogel saying on when Vogel saying calls? I think... Well, let's see. Vogelsen called from the, uh, from the small blind, so he has, like, pocket nines here. What'd he call? As opposed to three bet? No, I mean on the flop. Yes, because Carlos has already folded. Yeah. As we know, Vivek's always going to fire at this board. Yeah. Um, with, if he's king queen, he's going to bet, All right, too. so nines, tens. Maybe tens, yeah. Eight, nine suited? Yes. Uh, probably no sixes. Probably not six, seven suited? I don't think six, seven suited. I don't think he can have, like, a six suited. I and don't then, think he can have ace eight suited either. He's too short for all those hands, right? And then probably ace ten suited. Can he even have nine eight suited? He started the hand with forty blinds. Is he even forty five blinds? Okay, I, I think mean, maybe he could have eight yeah, nine suited. It's only yeah, maybe he can. with the Carolus in there. Yeah, okay. Let's assume he can. Uh, ace ten suited, ace jack suited. Yeah, he's gonna have those. Ace jack off, or is he folding that? I think he's folding. Okay, I'm folding that. And then ace queen off and ace queen suited both make sense. Yes, although those will be through at some of the time. Yeah. So that's basically the range, right? He doesn't yeah. have anything else. I 
think that's right. Unless he has sets of sixes or eights, which we block heavily as Vivek, so mm-hmm. less of a deal. Mm-hmm. But I think we're, we assume we're getting called by all one pair of hands once. Yeah, but those are all of them. Yeah. Like, what else does he have? Did you say pocket sevens? No. Do you think he's, do you think he's calling pocket yes. sevens on this flop? I do. Okay. So sevens, eight, nine suited, nines, tens, ace, ten suited, ace, jack suited, a couple of the ace, queens. Seems like that's what we're talking about. And, that, and like, I can't think of anything else that there would be, right? It's really hard to come up with. Like, I don't think Nine, ten suited? Would he call nine, ten suited with a backdoor flush draw? He doesn't, I don't think he's deep enough and he's out of position and it's against the under the gun range. I just and, don't think And we gonna, don't think he has seven, nine suited. And also, this is a bigger bet, too. It isn't like Vivek bet tiny and we can right. call for the gutter and it's okay if we miss some of the times. Like, this is pricey for us. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think so. I and think we're, we're just throwing it away. And we don't think seven, nine suited, right? We don't think that's part of the range? I don't. Yeah. I really don't. I'm not even sure eight, nine suited is. So, I don't see how seven, nine suited could ever be here. So, it's pretty interesting that Vogel saying's range, at least from our analysis, is like really. A small swath of all hands. Yeah, at this already, point. really quickly. Whereas Vivek's range is everything, yeah. pretty much, at this point. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. So you can see from uh, Vogelstein's point of view also, first of all, he has one of the best hands he can show up with here. Obviously, he can have sets. Yeah. Um, this might be the best hand after sets that he could show up with. It might be, because we don't think he can have ace-eight suited, right? No, I don't think so. Probably not. Um, but, like, if he were to raise here, from Vivek's point of view... There aren't any draws he can have unless it's nine, ten suited exactly that he decides to raise, right? If he were to raise, what would Vivek do with six, eight? Would he would he fold? No. You just put him on ace queen and hope it's okay. I think our hand is way too strong. To I fold. think that's right, but like what we block the most likely sets. Yeah, I know. Like what value does he have? He's got we're like have nine ten motherfucker. He's got the he's got one of the two combos. Yeah. Have nine ten. <laughs> yeah. Have ace queen and be going for it a little too much. Which maybe you do as Vogel saying because you're trying to play solver perfect. And we know the solver yeah. raises more than we want to raise. One yeah, yeah, that's, that all makes sense. Um, yeah, I think we just never fold. And obviously, the turn could be a terrible turn for yeah. us. But on the flop, we might. I don't think we can re-raise because we're now we're worried about ace queen folding. Yeah, but but of, but of course, Vogel saying calls because of course that's what everybody would do. That's the move. Except and here for, we are, except for the really bad players and the really good players. Right, everybody just calls. <laughs> Yeah, the Jedi's and the and the dummies all like make raises here. And yeah, all the rest of us call. Yeah, he is one of the Jedi's, but of course the Jedi's mostly call too. Yeah. Uh, pot seven hundred K now. Turn is the ten of hearts. It's a pretty wet card. Um, that is a pretty interesting card. It's more you know because because Vivek's range is wide open. Mm-hmm. Vogel saying more concerned about that card than Vivek is probably. I think so. Vivek, the only way this changes, I guess, pocket tens make a set. Pocket yes. tens are, you assume pocket tens are three betting some of the time, though. But ace queen and pocket tens have similar pre flop value. They do. They do. Um, ace queen's a better three bet than pocket tens, unless you're going to call off 45 bigs with pocket tens. You, you might against Vivek if he's been rampaging. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, that's, a, that's a question for another yeah. day. Let's, let's stay on this one. Um, besides that, the only way that affects anything, so it's pocket tens or it's ace ten suited, right? There's no other way that ten affects anything from Vivek's point of view, looking at Vogelsang's range. Correct. From Vogelsang's point of view, looking at Vivek's range, Vivek could have made a set of tens. Yep. He could also have made a straight. Well, if we have a sense that he's opening a lot, clearly he could, we, so we see he can ha- clearly have seven, nine here. Yes. So he could have made a straight. He could have made two pair as well. I mean, he can obviously have eight, ten as well. Yeah. Um, of course, he can have ace, ten. Of course, he can have ten, ten. Um, probably that's it. I don't think there's any six, ten. Yeah. But still, also, Vivek is the guy who can now have turned a lot of equity. He can have king, queen of hearts here and suddenly have a whole lot. Yeah. From nowhere. And then that'll, that can embolden him to continue. Right, Vogelsang doesn't have any of those hands. Right. 
Um, so combinatorially from Vivek's perspective, it's only a problem for, I guess, a total of five combos. Ace-10 suited that Vogelsang could have in 10-10, which comes right. out to five combos. Um, is it even five? I think so. Two, two Ace-10 suited. Yeah, you're right. And, and three. And three pocket 10s. Okay, yeah. Five total. Yeah, so... I think you're like, whatever. You just you just keep going for value, right? I think we just have to. And Vogelsang, of course, has to check. Yeah. Nothing else to do at this point. I mean, like that. There's very few cards that Vogelsang is excited to see. Like, I guess deuces are pretty good. Queens and aces are pretty good. Every other card is like, well, it kind of fucks me in some way, some of the time. Like, yeah. So, yeah, we're just like pot controlling and hoping Vivek's going to bluff. Well, Vivek goes for 375 into 700. Do you think he could have sized this one up more, despite the table of crushers? I'm a little surprised he didn't. Maybe he's afraid as this buy-in is so big. Maybe he's afraid like he's just going to lose even Vogel saying a little more than he would want to. Like I if mean, this was a, a more normal, if this is a 10K, he's like, oh, I'm, I mean, Vogel saying he's just going to call with all his, right. all his aces here, but maybe he's afraid he won't now. Like that, that makes some sense with the thought process behind opening 6-8 suited under the gun. Yes, it does. So maybe that is the case. Like, he thinks there's fear yeah. in the air. So, right. like, we're too strong. Yeah. So, yeah. But, he's, but he still wants to get called by all these aces. Like, ace-jack, ace-queen, really, is what he's targeting now, yeah. right? He's like, all right, let's get some of that. All right. So he does bet 375. As Vogel saying, we're... I mean, further from the top of our range than we were on the flop, but that doesn't mean we can fold. We're still, we just, app, if we remember, we were also calling with all of our one pair of hands, so we can fold a lot of stuff now. Although pocket sevens, pocket nines make gutters. That's something, but yeah. like, what are we supposed Probably to do? Probably folding them anyway. Probably. Like, we're calling ace jack, we're calling ace queen, we're either calling or raising tens or ace ten. Mm hmm. That's basically it. And we get to throw away everyone, everything else. Yeah. yeah. Our range has really shrunk so dramatically. Yeah. This is crazy. But maybe do we ever have like, just look at this board for a second, uh, a pair and a flush draw on the turn? So ace, think ace, ace jack or ace queen of hearts, sure. Um, okay, so we could have stuff Or eight like, nine of hearts. Yeah, okay, so we can have, so eight nine, ace jack or ace queen, we were stuck around anyway. Yeah. Eight nine of hearts, that's another hand. That's actually a pretty great hand. We pick up all the combo draws yeah. along with. We have showdown value, though, because Vivek yes. could have a lot of stuff, so we might just call anyway. Well, I don't that. think we'd raise, but I'm saying well, that's, that's a hand we would never fold. Right. And so that we can have that. So yeah, we can have 8-9 of hearts. Not too much. There's not too much, though, Yeah, that we can have that isn't like, kind of an ace here. Like, we mostly have aces. Mostly. It's mostly ace-queen, ace-jack. And I, if I was Vivek, I'd be like, ace-jack suited, right? Yeah. Like, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Most, mostly. Pot's 1.45 million. Yeah. The river's the deuce of hearts. It is a third heart, but it's back door. Yep. Either player could have hearts, though. They could. Been. Vivek has a lot more. Vivek has all the hearts. All the hearts that he opens, which apparently are a lot. Like, he, he probably has DeCarolos's hand, which would have made it four high flush, right? He probably has three, four of hearts. Yeah, he, he really might. Yeah. Unclear. Unclear if he goes that far down, but whatever. He's got a lot of heart combos. Yeah. Um, Vogelsang has many, many less heart combos, but has at least a few. Like, Vivek we might have, like, few. queen nine of hearts and yeah. stuff like that. You I know? think He's he probably got does. a lot of hearts. Vogelsang's heart combos are ace-jack of hearts, ace-queen of hearts, and eight-nine of hearts. Those are the obvious and ones. And that's it, I think. Um, unless he's got other... I don't, we just don't think he's... We think he's too short to call any of the suited aces, just like rando suited like aces. Like ace-six ace of hearts and ace-five of hearts and stuff like that? Yeah, like that pre-flop. I think he's too short for I that. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. And out of position yeah. and against the end-of-the-gun range. I don't think he's doing it. Yeah. So if that's the case, yeah. It's just those three combos of hearts. Yeah. So not too much. saying does have the Ace of Hearts in his hand, which should be well, uh, so should be nice. something that he's like pretty happy about. You know? Yeah, it's like makes it easier to make a call here. Yeah, his hand's too good, I think, to even consider bluffing. 
No, I mean he's he's ahead the vast majority of the time. Why would you try to get a better hand of fold? Yeah, um, like we we be targeting like ace king going for thin value is what yeah. we'll be doing, right? That yeah. seems like a lot to ask. Why do that? So he does check. Yep. All right. Should Vivek bet, and if so, how much? Okay. So should Vivek bet is is actually a pretty interesting question here, right? Because remember the range we just put Vogelsang on coming to the river, it was pretty tight. Yeah. I even said, like, ace-jack suited really feels like yeah. the hand, the, the yeah. most likely hand, even though there's less combos with that than ace-queen. Still, it feels like ace-queen's going to three-bet sometimes. Ace-jacks are very, almost never right. going to three-bet. These are the poker guy's assumptions, yes. but this is actually pretty cool. We don't often get to do, like, clear math, but I think mm-hmm. we can do that here. Yeah. Where we, we think we know Vogelsang's, like, not, not exactly. He's a very high-level player. He's going to do stuff that we don't understand. But we have a pretty good sense of his exact range, right? Yeah. So we can do the combos pretty easily, like... He has no eight nines except for the eight of, eight nine of hearts, right? Yep. So we certainly don't want to bet that. That's bad. Although it did become an open ender on the turn, the other eight nine suited. Oh, okay. Well, well you know what? Those no, hands, actually just a gut shot. Guess what? Those hands aren't calling a bet anyway. Those hands are folding. Yeah. So well, let's not worry about those hands. So eight nine of hearts. We is get the no only, value. We right. get no value from those hands. So what are the problem? The problem hands are eight nine of hearts, one combo. Yep. Ace jack of hearts, two combos. Ace queen of hearts, three combos. Ace ten that he slow played. That's, Ace 10 that he slow played. But that's unlikely, but possible. It's only two combos to start with, so... Yeah. But the question is... Okay, so that, that's true. So we don't have a lot to worry about. What is he calling us with? What yeah, is, what are the hands that question. are... First, let's ask, what are the hands that are actually here? Yes. Right, that, that we're beating. So there's Ace-Jack suited. We think not offsuit, right? Yeah, I think that's right. So of non-hearts, that's two combos. Two combos of non-hearts, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then... We think he's going to three bet with some ace queens. We this would be clearly, very subjective, but like give him give him sixty percent of the ace. Give him like eight, nine nine ten combos of ace queen, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Give him ten combos. So is he going to call us with ace queen? This is the question. Like I think ace jack is probably folding to a bet here. Yeah. Like when the heart comes and we bet again, like that's pretty strong on this board. Like going bet 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 on this board. When we call the turn, we're saying we have ace jack. Like. We might be only getting called by three combos of ace-queen or raised. The one is the ace-queen of hearts. That's mm-hmm. raising us. The other two are the ace-queens with the ace of hearts. And then ace-jack of hearts is raising us. And eight-nine of hearts is calling or raising us, but we're losing. Like, I'm not sure we're getting any value by betting here. feels like half the combos are, are beating us, and the other half are maybe folding anyway. Yeah. This seems like not a good bet. And I misspoke. It's four combos of ace-queen with a heart. Okay. Of course. But three, three that are not flushes. Um, so, yeah, I, if we're not going to get called by ace-jack suited, I think that's like kind of the line where it's like, I guess I probably shouldn't bet. Yeah, like I'm hoping he's got ace-queen and then not the hearts. And like, I'm obviously folding if I get raised. You could sort of say that. You could bet small and try and get called. And he might fold ace-queen if he doesn't have the ace of hearts, right? Like if he has... Maybe. Yeah, I think, I think he might call with this specific combo. And Vivek can get value from yes, this specific combo. I think you're right. The problem is he might raise with this specific combo. He blocks the nuts. He probably wouldn't with, with ace-queen specifically because it's so good. But, but, Vivek but went, we don't know that. But it, it could be like a really good just-in-case play. Yeah. Like, if you're Vivek, and Vogel's saying check raises all in on this river, right? You don't put him on 8-9 of hearts. You think he's probably just calling with that. And actually, if you're Vogel's saying you, you want to have some bluffs because you're Vogel's saying you yeah. actually really care about that, and you work hard to have balance here, what else can you bluff with besides the ace-queen with the ace of hearts? I don't know what other hand you can have. It has to be that. So, actually, maybe this is a bluff for him. Yeah. Which seems like, whoa, but... You are going to fold out Ace-King, and maybe a lot of other stuff, by the way. You might fold out a lot of better hands. You might fold out Vivek's actual hand. Yeah. 
Oh, I think you would. I think you can absolutely Vivek, would fold out. Can Vivek call with anything? I mean, if Vivek has a set, is he going to call? If Vivek has the king high flush, he probably calls. He's calling. Of course he is. Yeah. Um, he's going to have to call, but he's not going to like it. He's yeah. going to think for a while. He's going to use one of those time extensions. Yeah. But he's going to call. Uh, I think he's going to call with every flush because he also knows that Vogelsang can have the ace of hearts here. Yeah. And do this. Um, but the question you have to ask himself is, but doesn't he just have the ace of hearts when it's with a queen? And does he always turn that into a bluff? And also, didn't he three bet that preflop a lot of the time? Yeah. So coming back to all of this, I don't know that there's a lot of profit in betting here. Yeah. And I'm afraid that the hand that we're trying to target, this one, may even blow us off the hand sometimes. Right. What a disaster that would be. So even though the hearts came in back door, it's still a bad card because it's a heart. It's really interesting. And Vivek ultimately agrees with that and checks. I give Vivek a lot of credit for putting that together. I never would have put that together in real time. I would have bet for sure. Yeah, it's like it's back door. Of course I can bet for value. Who has the hearts here? I have the hearts. He doesn't yeah. have the hearts. And then I get check raised by fucking Christoph Vogel saying, like, I don't know what to do. Or we fold out ace jack and we're like, great, yeah. I gain nothing. Or maybe even we fold out ace queen sometimes. Yeah. Probably we don't, not this ace queen, but other ace queens. But if, yeah, Vogel saying had a non ace of hearts ace queen and, and Vivek goes for, you know, 700K on the river, I think he's probably folding. I mean, Vivek's never betting ace jack for value there. No. Ever, right? No. He, maybe ace queen. Unless, ace unless queen's the bottom saying, of his value range. Unless Vogel saying has created a plan to just call Vivek down, which right. is possible. Right, that is possible. You know, um, I, I've never played a tournament this big, but I've definitely been in tournament spots where some dude's running over the table and I'm yeah. like, I'm flopping a pair and I'm not folding. Yeah. And it usually works out pretty well against those guys. But I of know. course, those guys are not as good as Vivek Reg. Of course not. And here we go. And Vivek is showing, even when he has a hand that would be just the siren call of it is to put chips in the pot here. Yeah. Uh, let me ask a secondary question here. So the pot's got 1.45 million. In it. We think it's, it's probably just best to check. What if Vivek bets small? Is there a way to get value small, which, which, where the math isn't so screwed up? Because like a real bet clearly isn't going to work. Like 250K? I'm just wondering. I don't know that this would work. I'm just asking the question. What do you think? Is it possible to get any value at all? I don't all? think it's worth the risk of getting blown off the hand. I mean, also, it may, it may look a little face up. Yeah. Where Vogel's saying is like, uh-oh. Okay, I guess he can have ace-jack, but uh-oh. Feels like he really wants to get called, and what do I have that I can call him with? Ace-jack, ace-queen, right? Yeah. I better turn this hand to a bluff. Yeah. What else can I turn to a bluff? Uh-oh. And that would be also a disaster. Yeah, so I think you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. I cannot wait to see what the solver says. Solver time. Yeah. As usual, the solver always wants to be wider and looser than us in all spots, and it's not seeing things on the chalkboard the way that you know, a beautiful mind does, like we did along with Vivek in this hand. Oh, so know? we're the beautiful minds in this in this. Example? Yeah, yeah. It's like the humanity of us really like mm. shines through. It's, it's not, a computer can't replicate what Vivek and, and we saw. This is the way the Transformers feel about the human race. We must save them because of their humanity. They, they care about each other in ways that no other beings in the universe do. And that's why you check back six eight of clubs <laughs> on the river and it's an obvious <laughs> check back, Jonathan. I agree. But spoiler alert, that's not what the solver wants to do. Yeah. Um, on the flop, there's not much notable from the solver on the turn it actually wants vogel saying to donk 25 percent of his range i mean which is like wow really weird yeah <laughs> i don't even know what to make of that um the, is it because like um the hands that vogel saying has here is either a good top pair or a pair with a gutter and so it's like i'm never kind of folding anyway and so that's not really a good reason i'm never nope. folding anyway so nope. let's take away your bluffs Sounds i mean great. well well betting sevens could be a bluff that have uh yeah but, but is it always a bluff? I mean, we're ahead of some things, aren't we? Also, the solver wants to bet the ace-queen specifically 37% of the time, so with a higher frequency than the entire range. Yeah. So it's not about that. It's, yeah. yeah so. Well, that, that's value, clearly. We also block uh, Broadway with the queen, which is nice. Broadway. 
Yeah, Broadway. You can't make Broadway with just an ace and a ten on the board, but well, you could you can try. You can try. But it's not gonna Why can't work. we try? We can yeah. play pineapple without Fine. discarding a I'm card. <laughs> I was thinking there was a jack on the board. Why though? Because in my head. Oh, okay. I could see a jack. Well, you know, we don't really know the nature of reality, so maybe your reality is the reality. So Thank you. Multiple multiple worlds, man. Of course. Multi universe. Vogel saying definitely is all about that. Um <laughs> so anyway, that's all notable on the turn. Yeah. Uh Vivek's bet is the solver wants him to do it on the turn. Makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um, so it wants to just call with the ace-queen once Vivek bets flop and turn, as Vogel's saying. Mm-hmm. The river is where we deviate from the solver Deeply. pretty significantly. And Deeply. As does Vivek. Um, and Vogel's saying never leads. But Vivek is, is supposed to jam most of his betting range. And he's supposed to jam 100% of the time. With this hand, we didn't even consider a jam. We thought it would no. be too big of a bet, like to ever get any value. How much would a jam be? I mean, I could look it up, but that is going to take time and effort. I don't want to take time. You don't and like effort. doing either of those things, time no. or effort. I mean, the pot is the pot is one point four five million, and Vogel saying started the hand with one point eight million. So it's it's a pot size, but he's got probably less than a pot size bet. Maybe a little bit more, even. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But so it's 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 in that way, it's not unreasonable. Right? No, but it's large for a tournament. Yes. Um, I, you know, the, the solver isn't really aware that it's playing in a tournament. It thinks it's playing a cash Right. Game. There's no ICM, because so the solver is not taking that into account or anything. Right. Uh, so all of this, of course, with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, if, if Vivek were to jam, Vogel's saying it's supposed to call because he has the Ace of Hearts in his hand, and it blocks right. relevant Which things. just makes sense. That's it not does. crazy. Yeah, if you're going to call with something that you check on the river, that's one of the better things if, if Vivek jams. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Ace-Queen is about as good a calling hit as you can get when Vivek jams the river. Yeah, I think. Yeah, an ace queen with the ace of hearts might be better than a set of tens to call with if right. you somehow check called, you know, on the turn with a set of tens. I think that's true. Yeah, like having even the queen of hearts is uh, better. Probably, probably. Either way, the the jam by Vivek, the, the solver wants to do. That's that's the one that's really deviating from what we want to do here. Big time, big time. But you know. Vivek is smarter than the solver, just like us, and decided to check back. <laughs> Vivek understands the actual situation, which the solver, of course, can't be clued into. Yeah. And even if it could, you know, it doesn't have a heart. Right. right. Not a real heart. Not, it's like the Tin Man. The Tin Man? Yeah. The Tin Man. Did the Tin Man have a heart? Of course not. If he only had a heart. Yeah. Right? He sang around and stuff. Yeah. Danced around. Because um, that's right. He's the one who didn't have because the scarecrow didn't have a brain. And the lion didn't have a uh, courage. He didn't have any balls. Well, the lion didn't have a heart. What did the scare? What did the Tin Man have? Uh, he needed a heart. A butt. He needed a heart. Everyone needed heart. Tin men don't have butts, and it's really it's it's kind of rough for them. I mean, some people like that. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>